eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The biggest single-day sporting event in the world. Good luck out there. Green, green, green. The greatest spectacle in racing. Today, one of these drivers will do something we will never forget. The race 100 miles longer than any other. 600 miles of punishment for machines. And 600 miles of torture for drivers. Big names and unknowns get ready to compete for the richest purse ever posted for a stock car race. And it is Jeff Gordon, victorious. I'm speechless, man. I mean, this is the greatest day of my life. Jimmy Johnson! He did it! Three in a row, Jimmy Johnson! Austin Dillon will gain his first career victory. He'll take the three car back to victory lane. Killed 600, guys. Ever since I was a kid, I dreamt of this, man. Hi, it is one of the biggest motorsports weekends of the year globally. Memorial Day weekend, Monaco, Indy, and Charlotte. Cannot wait for that this weekend. Welcome to NASCAR America Motor Mouse, everyone. Marty Snyder, he's Steve Letarte. That's a Hall of Famer, Dale Jarrett. Uh, coming up on the show today, our buddy Lee Diffie will join us here in moments. I'm not sure if he was on the golf course today or not. Maybe. Hopefully. No no, if, no on-track activity. If there were no cars on bet track, the over. then <laughs> I'll bet the over. <laughs> and also, Austin Sendrick will join us as well. He'll talk Coca-Cola 600. That's coming up here in just a little bit. Of course, we want to hear from you guys at 844-NASCAR-NBC. The Twitter hashtag at hashtag MotorMouse has been going bananas today. With everyone giving us their picks for the weekend. So let's start with that, DJ. In your mind... Is this the biggest motorsports weekend of the year? Oh, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, there, there's no other complete weekend where you have the magnitude of the, the races that you have here. I mean, just the, the names of them and where they're being uh, uh, performed at mm-hmm. is enough said. But then you talk about in NASCAR, the longest race and in Indianapolis is, is far and away the biggest race in the world uh, that everybody knows and you just say Monaco and you know what everybody's talking about and everybody wants to go there I'm just telling you I want to go there but uh, yeah it it is that and and, you know I know that every championship weekend is great as we get further into the year Mm -hmm. here but putting all all of this together uh, in one weekend is just incredible especially one Sunday well one Sunday and here Listen, there's great racing most weekends. We cover a lot of it, whether we see the MotoGP or the IndyCar. But what makes this Sunday so special is not only our three great series, but it's three marquee races, and they don't overlap. 
Somehow <laughs> the racing gods have looked upon us and the sanctioned bodies have looked upon us where they all are in their own little time slot and their own little time zone. And you really can go from the beginning sunrise or sunrise to sunset mm-hmm. and past sunset. So absolutely, without a doubt, the best. And I always knew it and was so jealous. I would watch like half the Indy 500 mm-hmm. and then the driver's meet would start. <laughs> and I'd have to go back to work at the Coke 600. But now that I get to really sit back and enjoy all three, it's going to be great. Yeah, you can go way past sunset because the one that I was fortunate to win, the Coca-Cola 600, yes, I took the checkered flag somewhere around 115 in the yeah, morning yeah. after a couple of rain showers. That's awesome. Yeah, that was a little late one, wasn't it? So let's focus on the Coca-Cola 600. Steve, what clues did the All-Star Race give us about what we can expect this weekend in Charlotte? Good luck. Throw a dart. That's what I learned at the All-Star Race. Now, here's the thing. We should all be thankful as race fans because um, with a new car, a little, I had this little anxiety that if a team figures it out, man, they are going to beat everybody for a long time hmm. just because there's not a lot of track time to kind of learn. Limited practice, limited qualifying. It's been anything but. You've seen it handed all around. So many different winners. So to parlay your point, what I learned at Texas is the company and the manufacturer I was most concerned of found the most, and that is with Ford. Ryan Blaney didn't just win the All-Star Race. He had a great car. It wasn't a fluke win. He led laps. Sindrick was there. All of these guys are going to be good. So I think that just leans forward into the biggest race of the year, or excuse me, the longest race of the year. You have to have good cars. So, DJ, I really think handicapping this is next to impossible. It wouldn't shock me if one organization figured it out. It wouldn't shock me if one organization started good and a completely different organization led the race when the sun went down. Yeah, there's so many different variables with this race. I mean, you know, I'm not even going to – it used to be we used to talk about how physically demanding it was, and it still is, but all of these guys work so hard at their physical conditioning now, and I know these cars are a little hotter. I don't think that's going to come into play, so let's put that out. But we have gone back to seeing because we've seen a few – engine issues along the way. We've seen tire issues, and the, the, the tire issues are more related to drivers, teams, crew chiefs trying to find more speed and more drivability in their car to combine the two and, and creating situations for themselves. So how much are you willing to take a chance with that in 600 miles? You know, mm. you might say, okay, we're going to we're going to start on the conservative side, but as it gets down time to win, are they going to take that? Because once again, the speeds are going to pick up as the as we go into the night, and, and the racing is going to get more intense because the drivers understand that's whenever they've got to be at their very best. So this is going to be very interesting. As I've thought about the whole field, I, I was concerned with the new car that, as you said, somebody might figure it out soon and go, but I thought about right, who have been the best at this so far with with speed and and being there more than they haven't been Mm -hmm. and two drivers that came to mind for me are Kyle Busch and Ross Chastain Mm -hmm. and and who would have ever thought that I'd be we could have easily said Kyle Busch I think but who would have thought we'd be saying Ross Chastain and maybe I'm crazy but I swear I think he's there uh, in the top five more than anybody else well so I will say I agree with Dale on the physical fitness of the drivers but the counter is their mental fitness will be tested because I also will say this, this car has a very small window of mental fatigue, mental wandering, making a mistake. We are seeing the best stock car drivers in the world wrecking on their own. That's something we haven't seen that we've seen wrecks, but we're talking on their own. Kyle Larson basically got saved by the wall when he was in front of Kurt Busch. I mean, talking very talented people. So, you know, it's not just 600 miles. It's four hours. Yeah. Who's going to, you know, 
that all kind of adds up. So I agree with you. I don't think you're going to see somebody get cramps because they're, you know, worn out. But, man, can they stay mentally locked in? Four hours and an extra stage as well, which will yeah. certainly be a factor this oh, weekend. Love you know? yeah, the crew I, chief, I, love, yeah. let's add another one. I <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? Hey, Steve brought it up a moment ago, and you sat here last week, DJ, and you, you told us, hey, I'm hearing from the Ford drivers, they're going to go experiment at the All-Star Race. Have they found enough to be competitive, you feel like, DJ? Do you see enough good signs at Texas to say, hey, now they're going to be in the mix in a more even playing field? Uh, from one group, I did. Um, the you know, that group. was that <laughs> yeah, I, I can't see. You know, I hope that there's something that Stuart Haas went there with, uh, and, and they found something. Although none of the four drivers there, you know, were were really competitive uh, throughout that. And so, but did they learn something that will help them go in another direction? And maybe there's something that they saw uh, from. The Ford camp uh, at Penske that that could help them too. Uh, that they found out. I hope they can do that. But but certainly uh, the Penske group in particular uh, did figure that out and were much more. And it was good to see that they had the speed, uh, the drivability. Uh, you know, just talking to these drivers, they are having to drive these cars. The things they tell me that I'm hearing and that they tell me, the ones I talk to, about how you have to drive these cars. And if you don't drive them, now I'm, I was going to say to their full potential, but past that almost to to make these cars go fast because if you don't it actually drives worse but to put yourself and that's why we're seeing them you talk about the best in the world spinning out on their own that's why they are because they're having to push it over the edge and to do that for 400 laps at charlotte man that's asking a lot and and, and the crew chiefs as well are going to be put into a different box i don't think it's bigger or smaller but it's different um you know for a long time even different car generations, it was still the same 15-inch Goodyear tire. There was a lot of things that stayed consistent. So I could pretty well track out where I thought the track was going to go. And then I knew kind of what adjustments I needed to have in my car. Look, when it gets cooler, the front's going to work better. i got to have a rub, spring rubber on the left rear. I could push in and snug my car up. I need a little bit of this or a little bit of that. And we could hedge it. I, I just don't know if they know what that is with this car. Hmm. Right? I mean, there's a weight jacker, so they can yeah. take wedge in and out, but even that's limited. It's not endless. You can only go so far, and then you're out of adjustment. There is no more track bar. It's independent rear suspension. Tire pressures can be sensitive to failures. So, you know, it, there is no tape you add, right? The cool, there's yeah. a lot of the tools. Um, the tools haven't gone away. They've just changed. They're not as obvious to the race fan. So I want to see what crew chief or team hmm. gets creative um, and, and has their car best when it matters most. And that's a good point. Crew Chief's kind of still figuring out that process. Yeah. And in a racetrack and a race that where things change so much, starting the day, finish at night, maybe they're all going to learn together this weekend. They, <laughs> they, and, and, you know, the other thing about this race is I think at times we just forget what it means on the calendar for a driver. We had this conversation mm-hmm. earlier, you know, Jeff Gordon, Matt Kenseth, two Hall of Famers. This was their first 100%. win. So yeah. when I look up and down the field, you could have said Ross Chastain, well, why not Daniel Suarez? Yeah. Why can't be this be the week? Can, can you imagine what a win for, like, or Tyler Reddick? Like, because I don't think anyone has Reddick and his style on a 600-mile waist. Mm-hmm. So why not? Why not him go out there? It's going to be very fascinating to see who attacks win and how patient they are. Great setup to the weekend of what we can expect at uh, Charlotte, uh, certainly. Let's uh, grab a couple phone calls here. James is in Nevada. James, what's going on? What's on your mind today? Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Um, you guys are talking a lot about the Coke 600. Steve mentioned throw a dart for, for where the setup is. Um, I was wondering what you guys think the biggest storyline going into the race is going to be that fans are to look for. And then just one quick bonus question. If you guys had to choose – who would you put in the track house 91 car first and at what track? Thank you. 
Again, That's we great. haven't talked That's about right. the yeah, Trackhouse 91 story, which is in essence Trackhouse <clears> is starting a part-time third team, and they're opening up the seat DJ for anyone in the motorsports world who kind of fits the category yeah. for maybe a Lewis Hamilton or, yeah. a, or a Scott Dixon or someone out there of, of that you know stature and saying, hey, you really want to try NASCAR? We'll fund it. We'll give you a, a seat in a good car and give you a shot at it. And what do you think about that? Uh, I love the idea, and I love the outside-of-the-box thinking of this new owner in Justin Marks and, and his organization thinking about this uh, because you know, it, it's something that certainly would only enhance NASCAR uh, and the brand and the racing uh, around the world if that's successful. So I love the idea. Who could that be? I, I, don't, I think there's so many things to think of, but... You know, this car is so different. We're seeing different drivers there. Mm -hmm. Just think about somebody that you feel is very adaptable. Maybe have been in a couple of series uh, uh, around the world and, and, and go do that. I think Lewis Hamilton could probably drive anything that he wants to drive. I, there's no doubt in my mind that, that he could do that. Um, you know, I, there's, if I were going to take a chance with this, I would put Elio Castroneves in a race car and wow. give him a chance in a stock car. I raced against him in the uh, IROC series, mm -hmm. and he could drive the wheels off of those things. Wow. I, I think he could get the job done. Even his, I wouldn't be worried about his age and you know, because he's still a young man yeah. uh, getting it done. Well, yeah. and I talked to all these guys like Joseph Newgarden. He's like, I would love a shot to go run Bristol. I would love a shot to go run a race like that. I'm interested in what races they, they're going to this year. Interested to see, like, if Lewis Hamilton jumped in, what races would he pick? What would he want to run? I think you'd have to go to a road course, and I'm really interested in this project, not because it opens it up to this new uh, window of drivers, but I do believe I've always wanted to know. We've seen guys try to make the jump to NASCAR. It's been very difficult for years. Well, I think the cars have kind of closed, in, closed yeah. up to what a GT3 car mm -hmm. kind of looks like, sequential shifting, bigger brakes, bigger tires. It's still a stock car, but arrows made the same way. Um, so in my mind, that I would look more in the sports car world for yeah. sure. The other half of this question, you know, what's the storyline going into the yeah. 600? I think the, the big storyline for me is it is a race where it wouldn't shock us to see a new winner. We talk about where the opportunities are. This is one of them just because of the challenges. I believe you could see a few We've yet to see a real few miles race kind of play out. That could happen here. And just you could see big, big teams make mistakes. So I think the unknown of a new winner is probably... The, the biggest storyline moving into the 600 for me. This whole tire thing is interesting, too. I mean, I think the, the teams are still trying to figure it out, and that, that's been sort of a curveball for everybody as well. But I, I loved your comment earlier of just throwing a dart at the dartboard because there are so many winners now in the mix. So if, if Penske truly is in the mix now, you could literally say there's 12 drivers or 15 drivers that could win this race on Sunday. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, you know, we, we have yet to see great execution by anyone. You know, pit road has been a little bumpy for some, um, just everything. I just have yet to see many people run a really clean race, or at mm -hmm. least many of them at the same day. Uh, you know, Denny Hamlin, I would argue, his only clean race is the race that they won. Yeah. Right? So, so like, is this the race that they're all focused? Are they at home? Are we going to see six or seven of the stars have a clean race? I don't care who it is. In the end, I just want it to be the challenge to be there. I want four or five people to have to show up and prove that they can do it better than the others. Yeah, and you said something earlier that, that is making me say what I am to this answer to this question about how different this car is and the adjustments that you make. So, 
they haven't started a race in the daylight. Mm. It's going to be hot Sunday afternoon and then getting into the night. You knew what we, we figured out, a lot of people did, what you needed to adjust, how your car needed yeah. to drive at the start of that race to be good and competitive at the end of the race. I'm not sure they know that about this car. So I think that's going to be the thing to watch. What's in the first... 250 to 300 miles of this race is going to be highly entertaining to see who can hang on, literally hang on there. Uh, I read something where Kevin Harvick was talking about being able to stay on the lead lap so his car, what wow. he thinks would happen, would be good enough that, that he could race at the end. doesn't feel like a setup like a Martin Truex Jr. day where he's going to go lead, you know, 300 plus of the 400 laps. You ever have a driver's picture in your face but you can't come up with his name? Yeah, sure. The driver that sits uh, joins Jimmy in his IMSA car, the Ally car, uh, the Japanese driver. Kobayashi. That is the man I would put behind the wheel. <laughs> I think he's I've never seen anyone attack he's, a track yeah. like Kobayashi. Thank you. The, the uh, name was escaping yeah, me, no, but it was clear to me that when you want to My talk about outside. time down. <laughs> if that happens, he would be good. I hey, like Justin, that. if that happens, man, I can make sure that thing's full of fuel. I want to see it firsthand. It's going to be so much fun. Let's go to Joshua in Nebraska. Joshua, what's happening? Hey, how's it going, gentlemen? Um, I am predicting that we either have a Hendrick Motorsports repeat during the Coke 600 and Jimmy Johnson is able to have a very successful Indy 500. But I wanted to get your opinion on this question. As we begin to resume points-paying racing next week at Charlotte with the Coke 600, we know that there are 11 drivers who are in the playoffs halfway through this regular season. So if we were to look over the next two weeks, who would you predict would punch their ticket next? Hmm. And we've talked about that. I mean, are we going to get to the 16 is one question, but do you see who are the next few winners who could come on the list? Well, I think low-hanging fruit is Ryan Blaney from the yeah. All-Star, yeah. you know, Martin Trex Jr. Those are the easy ones. Um, and, I, and I really believe, I, I maybe wouldn't have said that pre-All-Star race. What has the All-Star race done? Now I can believe Ryan Blaney came in the next. I'm not sure I could have said that before what I saw at Texas. And not just because he won, but because the Penske Fords had speed. So, therefore, I can, I can say with a bit of conviction that, that he couldn't be the next. Yeah, I, I would have to agree there. I mean, he's run well enough for the majority of the year, and, and now it seems like they've found a little something else uh, that, that I believe he might be the next one. Yeah, and I'll note this this weekend, but Tyler Reddick's sure, certainly on that absolutely. list. You know, because yep. I, I agree with you, Stephen. And Tyler will admit... Charlotte's not his best racetrack, and 600 miles is not his forte either, I think. Well, no one gets lucky. I don't ever want to discount a single winner at, in the Cup Series. That would be it'd be disrespectful to think somebody can get lucky and win a race of any of these magnitudes. But the longer the race, that funnel of opportunity narrows. You know, mistakes multiply, mm -hmm. more yeah. pit stops, more issues, more adjustments, all of those things. And for that reason, I think, it, it, you know, that eliminates some drivers – um, but I don't know who the summer going to be anymore is the problem. Like, you know, can Eric Almirola in his final attempt, yeah. you know, can he put 600 miles together? Yeah. It's really hard to say. The concern I have, to DJ's point, is SHR, if you don't have the speed, you think it's bad to be slow, try being slow for 600 miles. Oh, That's even yeah. worse. That doesn't yeah. sound like and Tyler Reddick is going to win? Is he sure. going to win before we get to the playoffs? That's the question. Ah. Can he make it happen to get himself into the playoffs? Interesting uh, twist. I certainly think there's a lot of good racetracks coming up for him. Sure. Don't undersell him as a road course racer mm -hmm. either. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think you look at Gateway coming up, there's a lot of, lot of tracks where I think Tyler Reddick will be very strong and certainly a contender in all of those. I don't want to tell you this because I'm going against you in fantasy, but no, my two right. long no, shots that are going to be in my lineup is going to be Eric Jones and Daniel Suarez. 
I was gonna I was gonna mention you're off the radar really good at this kind of race track. he is and that 43 car is a little off the radar I think that can help him Mm -hmm. yeah I think this weekend we have our eye on a little race in Central Indiana. Yeah. Corner 16th in Georgetown. That sound good to you guys after a thrilling qualifying weekend. Our mate Lee Diffie, he'll join us here next. We'll talk about the Indy 500 and get his preview on everything. Diffie joins us here next on NASCAR American Motor Mouse. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There he is. Now, we're at one of my favorite places in all the motorsport world here at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So I want to take you down to one of the greatest corners in the world. I'm standing down in turn one, where this corner is bigger than the hundred plus years that it's been in existence, or the thousands who have dared find its limits. As you come down the front stretch, the grandstands are on both sides, and as you approach the entry, you've already decided what you're going to do in the car. Then as you turn in, you're relying on pure instinct. Most of all, right here at the apex, the direct middle of the corner, the point of no return. You've committed to the turn-in on instinct, and at that point, you've either done it right or you pay the price. A wheel too low below the white line, and you spin. A wheel too high, and you understeer into the wall. This is the process the drivers go through each and every time. Yeah, turn one is probably the scariest corner that a driver can ever enter on, at least in, in our series. You're going in there, and you have to have full confidence in what your car is doing. And the first time you ever do it, which was this year for me, is an exhilarating moment because it feels like there's no possible way physics will allow this to happen. Terrifying. <laughs> it's ter- absolutely terrifying. It seemed completely normal at the time I was doing it. Now I watch other guys doing it. I think, why are you doing that? You know, and this turn one to me always terrified me. Every lap I did here, from the first lap I did in 2002 to the last lap I did in 2013, I was always, every time. The Yard of Bricks, I don't ever remember crossing it because my focus was just in turn one and actually trying to make it through there. That's our boy Parker, the latest edition of In the Wall. You make sure you want to catch that on the Motorsports YouTube page uh, for NBC Sports, along with tons of other Indy 500 content, including Unhinged with James Hinchcliffe. Look at all those people he talked to, all in the motorhome lot, guys. Wow. Uh, Jimmy Johnson with a special 500 helmet design. And, of course, the club, all the clips from that with Elio Castroneves and all the four-time winners of the Indianapolis 500. And that, of course, brings us to the Indianapolis 500 this weekend. And our mate, Lee Diffie, joins us. What's going on, Diff? How you doing, bud? I'm doing very, very well. I'm not quite as nervous as I was at Mid-Ohio a few years ago where I had to drive Dale Jarrett from the hotel to the track and back. I don't think I've ever been that nervous in my life. Yes. He, was very kind. Yes. he was very kind to me. He complimented my driving. I think, I'm not sure if it was a gen- genuine compliment. But uh, that's it was, awesome. it was. You did a great job. That's awesome. Hey, hey, let's talk about the atmosphere Sunday. I mean, on pit road, it was incredible. Steve was on the pit box. I was down there ready to interview whoever the poll winner was. I don't know if you felt it in the booth. I mean, this, that vibe was unbelievable, Diff. 
and then Scott Dixon, second fastest four-lap average ever at the 500. I mean, just an amazing day on Sunday. Kind of describe it from your seat. Well, I was I was um, uh, alerted to it in a really abrupt way, and so too was James Hinchcliffe. We both, you know, um, not planned. We both took a trip to the garage because we wanted to go and talk to some some drivers and engineers and etc. And Marty, just just the, the the journey from the pagoda down to Gasoline Alley, it it took it took some time. There was a big qualifying crowd there, and. I mean, that kind of, for me, flagged that we we're in for a special day anyway because people are celebrating, you know, being back. You know, we say in air quotes, we're kind of back to normal. And it really felt normal. It actually, you know what? I'm going to change that. It didn't feel normal. It felt special. It was just a huge day. Our ratings, without being too self-indulgent, our ratings reflected that, that people were genuinely interested in. I think when they see those sublime speeds, you know, Connor Daly going into, into the turn three and he was officially clocked at 2.43, the team says they, their day says 244 miles an hour. So when they're doing those speeds, it was a beautiful day. It just all played out. And, and the new qualifying format as well. So if that is any sign, uh, we should t- take, take uh, careful notice of that because I think it's going to lead into just a really memorable weekend this weekend. Well, Dave, you said it, leading into a memorable weekend. It's the biggest race in the world. It's the 106th running. We know the speeds are there. Let's talk about the challenges, right? We've heard different stories from different drivers. Jimmy Johnson is doing an amazing job behind the wheel. I think we all are expecting him to be good. But what challenges, you've seen this from the best view up on the ninth floor in the booth. What are the biggest challenges you see for these drivers in this format, this body style, these speeds in Indianapolis? I think um, based on, you know, what the drivers have told us over the years, for Jimmy Johnson, who I think has a legitimate shot at winning, he has more experience in 500-mile races than anybody in the field, but it's the cadence of race day, right? You Did you get a good sleep? The build-up is immense. The driver introductions, all of the hubbub that goes on, and then you've still got to get strap in and drive 500 miles at, you know, ridiculous speeds. So I think just the cadence of the day, if he can manage that, which he knows the cadence of a 500-mile race, but the day is what I'm talking about. There's that miraculous save that he had during qualifying. That put paid to his chances of being in the Firestone Fast 6. But still, let's just put all of the facts together that there has only ever been two drivers to win the Daytona 500 and the Indianapolis 500. So Jimmy could join AJ Foyt and Mario Andretti. It's a short list, right? It's an unbelievable accomplishment. So... I think we should take uh, notice and remember what Kurt Busch was able to do when he finished sixth. Uh, Car slightly different, no aero screen then. Now you've got the aero screen. But if Kurt can come in and do it, and Jimmy's been working away at his craft, obviously the, the street and road courses, the results just aren't there. They're not what he hoped. But I give him so much credit and so much respect because he has copped so much criticism from people about not being up the front where they just expect, they don't understand the enormous difficulty and difference between a cup car and an Indy car. It's not easy and that's being shown by his road and street course results. But the big but is at Texas Motor Speedway, he was incredible. Scott Pruitt, who the American motor racing legend is carefully guiding him from the pit box and they, they, they massaged him and worked him slowly, slowly, slowly. And all of a sudden, he blows past Scott Dixon to be in the top five at Texas Motor Speedway. They had to bring him back to sixth because they were unsure if they had enough fuel to finish the race. I think we really need to remember that and acknowledge that. 
If he can do that at his first trip to Texas in an IndyCar, he can win this Indy 500. Oh, wow. That's exciting to hear. And, I, I mean, he's so good at whatever he does. My, my question to you, Lee, is this. As I've watched this race for many years, um, but it seems recently that as there have been more cars in the mix and drivers willing to take chances at the end, crew chiefs taking chances to put their drivers in that position, that there's been more mistakes on pit road, a lot like we see in NASCAR mm -hmm. racing, where as the competition got more keen, you had to get faster with your pit stops. Uh, I, I, is that something that, that we may see that might help decide who the winner this weekend is also? Yeah, that's a fair point, DJ, because there's the, there's the human element, right? We're, we're all human. We all make mistakes. We, we, we can't be perfect you know, seven days out of seven. So that's a that's a really good and valid point, and it's realistic. And the and the team guys who do unfortunately have a hiccup, they they just they're devastated because sometimes, you know, look at our own Townsend Bell. He was leading this race when he was driving for Andretti Autosport with inside the last 50 laps, and he and his teammate had a crash on pit lane. There was confusion with who was releasing and who was going to go when, and there goes Townsend's race, and he's not the only one. We had. Probably about five or six cars last year make a mistake uh, before they even got to their teams. They were spinning on approach. They had brake issues and some some tagged the wall, some just spun around, some ended up in wrong wrong driver's pit boxes. So, yeah, it's crucial. Um, you know, last year's winning strategy for Elio Castro Neves was five stops, six stints. So five, you know, it's not like if you if you nail it once, you're all good. You've got to do it at least five or six times. So, yeah, it's a really... It's a really um, uh, interesting part of the race you know it's not not everything that goes on on the track is what dictates whether you're you, you know you're going to be an indy 500 winner so lee i know we didn't have bump day over qualifying week and only 33 cars entered but even as an indy car novice it seems like the depth of the field is still stronger than ever why there may only be 33 i'm not sure there's very many you could rule out not having a shot in the final laps if they could kind of find their way towards the front so with that, we've talked a lot about names. What about overall teams, right? We saw Chip Ganassi, raw speed in qualifying. Team Penske, I'm going to be honest, they're the most famous. The captain's the guy that's won all the 500s. It's been quiet in my mind this month of May for Team Penske. Should they be concerned, or do you expect a Team Penske kind of comeback on Sunday? Yeah, I think, I think they've got really good race cars, Steve. So, you know, qualifying's one thing, and you definitely don't want to put yourself in a hole. Um, like, unfortunately, uh, Scott McLaughlin is. You know, he was at, sitting in a comfortable 15th, and unfortunately, they, they gambled to go again late in the day. Uh, maybe too much downforce on the car, and, and the ambient conditions, the air was pretty heavy, it was pretty humid. And in this Pennzoil Chevy, there was just no speed, and, and he plummeted from 15th to 26th. For this guy, for Joseph Newgarden, I think he's well-positioned, and so too is Will. And, and Will just told me the other day, he's like, ah, you know, you know how much I like qualifying. He said, but I just got to, we got to shrug that off. I've, I've got a really good race car. The three of us have really good race cars. Uh, Diff, there's only one Hall of Famer at this desk, and he is going to his first Indianapolis 500 <laughs> this weekend. Yes. So how can, we show, how can we show DJ a good time this weekend once we're in Indy? Um, I'm going to challenge him to do what I did with him a few years ago. Um, uh, and ride a ride a bird scooter from downtown <laughs> India up to the racetrack. <laughs> I knew where that was going. Uh, I mean, he invented hey, the tradition of kissing the bricks. So I know, I know. Listen, before we go, I want to show you what significant firepower I have brought to this broadcast. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna okay. say, show us who's in your Hold, room. Holding my, well, I'm not even in my room. I'm in Max Swenson, our graphics uh, guy. 
Oh, okay. Sean Owens. Sean Owens, our director, is holding my phone. Yeah, our director. Renee Hadley, <laughs> our producer. Garrett, one of our runners. So, hey, Sean, you know, your job's not done. Come on, you've got to go back. Come on. We're still, on, we're still live. <laughs> so you're saying Sean's a better director than he is a camera operator? Sean's a better director than he is a camera operator? Is that what you're saying, Diff? <laughs> I would say so. That, that's a fair statement, Marty. <laughs> Hey, real quick, so we're doing our picks later in the show for all three races this weekend, Monaco, Indy, Charlotte. So give us your picks, Diff. Greatest day in racing. Greatest day in racing. Um, I really like what, uh, despite uh, the, the poor result in Spain, I really like what Charles Leclerc's been doing in Formula One, the Ferrari driver. So put me down for Charles Leclerc to win at home. And then I will take here, and I'm happy to be proven wrong, and I'm happy to stick my neck out. I'm, I'm tipping Jimmy Johnson to create history. We saw a special piece of history last year. I think we're going to see it again. Nice. Jimmy to win yeah. the 500 and Martin Truex Jr. in Charlotte. Wow, look at wow. that diff. Um, all right, awesome. Well, DJ will be there tonight. I'll see you tomorrow morning. Do me a favor. Tell Mac to make up his bed in his room because that's an absolute mess. <laughs> hey, they're saying you need to make your bed. All right, bud. Come on, Mac. Make up your bed, will you? All right, bud. Looking forward see to seeing you this weekend. Thanks, see you soon. All yeah. right, we'll see. Always fun hanging out with Diff tomorrow. Media day, then Friday. Carb day is back. Pit stop competition is back. So hopefully it doesn't rain out. That's the big key. But yeah. the, the weather for Sunday is beautiful. So you're, I, I would assume you're fired up to go I'm there. Ex- I'm I mean, so like, excited. What do you want to see I, the most of the 500 weekend? What is that? What, what do you want to see the most? I like, think the pageantry of the before the race. You know, I've heard so much, and you see it on TV. We do a great job of covering it. But being there, I know that you know, at, you know, watching the Indianapolis 500 and then going there for our Brickyard 400 was so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And I know that this is even bigger than, than that. So that, that's the part that I really just want to be a part of there on Sunday before everything, see the drivers uh, you know, in that setting and, and what all of that is like. It's it was awesome. There was nothing like the green flag for me. I know that sounds silly because it should you would think yeah. the race, but there's a, so much pageantry, and I've just been fortunate to be in so many locations. The Rolex for the grid, uh, you know, all of the different things. It was when you know when the pageantry kind of it builds up, builds up, builds up, and then I was on the pit box down basically in turn one when 33 of them come by for the first time. You know, forget the front three. The oh, guy yeah. back in 18th <laughs> trying to figure out if he's in lane two or three and how much they're going to get down to turn one. It was, uh, that was the breathtaking point for me. I get goosebumps just watching all that, and I've, yeah. I've, I've yeah. done a few of them. Yeah, I mean, I've only been be there incredible. for qualifying, and, and I've always had huge amount of respect for them, for the speeds there and knowing what that track is, you know, mm-hmm. and racing on it, uh, and, and to see the speeds that they've But when I saw them and when they were getting ready for qualifying and these speeds ramped up, that you could physically see the difference yeah. uh, in that speed, uh, but just to see. So to be able to just be around the drivers, I mean, yeah. I, I'm a huge fan of these guys and, and just to see them in their world right there. And of course, I want to go see JJ and wish him the very best. There you go. My biggest question is, can we get you in the snake pit this weekend? I oh, think that's going to be the you goal. You never know. Junior you can take know. you there if you want. You know, oh, yeah. be there. There, yeah. There's a snake pit. Yeah. Come on. You can go in yeah. there, DJ. Absolutely. You would fit right in, I oh, think. Oh, for sure. And yeah. I'm not sure they all know a race is going on, Steve. Or hey, listen, at all. it's not just a race. It's an but event. And these people the came party. to a heck of a party. <laughs> that is the party to be at. It's going to be about 83 and sunny on Sunday. You don't want to miss it. The Indianapolis 500 coming up on NBC Sports 11 a.m. this Sunday. When we come back, a young man who knows all about the Indianapolis 500. But he'll be racing Sunday night in Charlotte. Austin Sendrick will join us next. 
We'll talk to AC coming up. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I've said that many times. I don't even consider myself a top 100 talent in our sport, but I've just worked really, really hard at my craft, and, and that's what's carried me. Between that and having you know one of the best teams in the garage every week, that's why I, I don't want to get in a worse car because it's going to make me it's going to expose me in a big way. So <laughs> I just I just don't want I'd, I'd rather just kind of keep keep things as they are. And when that's done, then I'll be done. Yeah. How much longer are you going to race? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. You haven't um, even thought about it. No, I've definitely thought about it. I don't want the performance to decline to where I don't think I can win every week. That's when I'm going to be well, like, how old are you? I'm 41. Yeah. And so I think that that's not this, the numbers would suggest you got about two years. Yeah. Whose numbers? I just, so when I was retiring, <laughs> I did some math. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The analytics, yeah, would tell you that. Uh, yeah, I guess the analytics say the 39 40. to 40 is, is really a sweet spot. It is. And then it, you lose a little, and then you lose a little, and then you lose a fair amount, and then you lose a lot. Oh, yeah. Would you go drive for your own team? Would that be would that not, be more interesting not, to you? I, not if FedEx extends. I think that I would like to retire at Gibbs with FedEx. There you go. Just a teaser of the Dale Jr. download this week with Denny Hamlin. It kicks off the schedule for the motorsports on NBC Calendar, Steve. A lot happening. Oh, well, listen, it's it's the best day of motorsports, which means you got to have a lot to lead up to it. Monster Jam, we've talked to a few different Monster Jam competitors over the mm-hmm. last two weeks. Yeah. Always a good time. Carb Day, you mentioned it, is back in its full glory on Friday. And then well, how can you miss Sunday, 11 a.m., the biggest race in the world? It's going to be a great week. It all wraps up with MotoGP's Italian Grand Prix. They're, uh, Grand Prix. They're retiring Valentino Rossi's number this weekend, by the way. So... Big action there as well. Austin Sendrick is probably the biggest fan of Peacock that I know. He does not miss an IndyCar practice. He doesn't miss an IndyCar <laughs> race. And yet somehow you're going to miss your first Indy 500 this weekend. It's got to be driving you nuts not to be in Indy in person this weekend. Austin, how are you? Yeah, absolutely. Certainly uh, definitely going to be a different uh, day for me on, on Sunday on the Grey Stain Racing. But uh, no, for, for the best reason possible. But uh, yeah, doing great, guys. Yeah, so let's talk about how th- how things been with the with the two team for you guys in the last few weeks, and maybe did you guys find something at the All Star race that can work moving forward? Yeah, I think just as everybody has kind of progressed throughout the year, obviously I'm getting to know you know a new team, a new dynamic, and obviously a new role in the Cup Series. But uh, at the same time, you know, learning this car, and I think as a, as a company, we're starting to understand trends, starting to figure out where strengths and weaknesses are, and. Obviously, we had a really strong night as a company in Texas, whether that's winning the stage, Ryan winning the race, you know, Joey and those guys getting the fastest pit stop. You know, those are all the pieces that you need to be able to win week in and week out at the cup level. And uh, obviously, uh, I've got two really great teammates to lean on. And 
um, no, it's, it's, it's certainly great progress for me personally and as well for the team, because, you know, there's some rough patches, you know, and there's been some, some good stuff and you got to learn from those and be able to piece it together and do it every weekend at every track. So Austin, you're, you're a fascinating study for me because you're a rookie who wins the biggest race of the year, the Daytona 500 promotes you into the playoffs and, and it doesn't seem like it's affected you one bit. It seems like you're the same guy pushing the car through tech, wearing the team Penske shirt, like you never have won a race before. Is there a real effect pressure-wise? Is it better that you know you've won a race? Can you enjoy your rookie year more? Or was that all the way back in February you, and it hasn't affected you at all? Uh, I'd say 98% has not affected me, no. Uh, I certainly know what's gotten me here. I know the mentality that's gotten me here. And I know the people that have gotten me here. And uh, I think there's a, there's a lot to that puzzle, more than just me, obviously. But... Uh, being able to uh, apply all those things and kind of trust that process is what's gotten me to this point. And um, otherwise, I, I think the two percent that's missing is is certainly the unknown of what it would feel like to not have a win right now. And and, and I know from observation, there's a lot of people that drive pretty desperate these days. And, and whether if that's you know because track position at some of these places has been a premium, or um, if a win has become something that's quite at a premium. So I think those things certainly stack on top of each other and probably can't get my self-perspective on in, in some ways. But um, I, I think as, as a group, we have to continue to push forward and, and not just be happy with one. And, and obviously that's the biggest one. That's the, that's the one you want. But um, you know, how, how do we put ourselves in position to where we can win those races in the playoffs and, and put ourselves in contention every weekend like we did this past weekend? And, you know, there's been there's been hints of speed, whether if it's fast in practice or qualifying or points in the race, but it's doing it all throughout every weekend, every race. That's what I want. <laughs> Austin, you were talking about uh, how good Ryan was, and, and he went on to win that. But it looked out okay, even at times that you had a faster car uh, at, at times during that race the other night. And I know that on paper, it will say both tracks are a mile and a half, and many fans will think, well, if you ran great at Texas, you got to be able to run really good at Charlotte. Can you tell the fans that are watching here the differences in the two racetracks and how you approach this? I know it's 600 miles versus an all-star race, but just the approach as a driver to the difference in the tracks. Yeah, I mean, we're certainly going from our shortest race of the year to the longest race of the year. So uh, from that perspective, pretty big mentality shift. But uh, as far as the racetracks go, Texas probably couldn't be much different than Charlotte, whether if that's track surface. You know, I think one of the similarities, you're talking about track prep for the weekend, having the PJ1 resin and the higher lanes, you know, that'll certainly come into play and how the track transitions into nighttime. But uh, you got Texas where you're actually using some break into the corner Whereas at Charlotte, you kind of got the big sweeping entries. You know, Charlotte is kind of unique, but I would compare it more to kind of what we had at Kansas and Las Vegas, which as a company probably weren't two of our better race races so far this year. So uh, obviously Texas being able to break into the corner and, you know, change, change the direction of the car, I, I think that might play into our wheelhouse, not sure. Um, but I, I think from those standpoints, you know, Texas and Charlotte are quite different. Texas, both ends of the racetrack are really different. And I don't really think there's anywhere else that you can really compare that, that, that Axlin drives like Texas does, so um, which makes it an interesting track to have in the playoffs, interesting track to have the all-star race, but um, definitely two different beasts, but the same size. So, so as I sit up in the booth and watch the races on Sunday, they're just totally different than Friday and Saturday, but what's the one thing that the fan may be shocked for you to say that has surprised you about the Cup Series, week in and week out on Sunday, and what it's like to compete with some of these other just world-class competitors? Yeah, I did get a really good taste of it last year racing. You know, I did seven or eight races last season and really understanding the depth in the field and 
you know, how that plays out on restarts is honestly a big thing because when you're in the Xfinity series and you're you're 15th on back, you're you're trying to charge your way forward. If I'm 15th on back here, that is that is the bee's nest on restarts and and trying to figure out, you know, what how, how do you choose, you know, what, what decisions do you make, what lane backs up. You know, you really don't think about lanes that stack at super speedways and you go to short tracks and you go to, you know, mile and a half tracks where you got lane stacking and, and, and those things are things that I haven't experienced yet. And I got really good perspective on that last year, but I would say coming into this season and even with staying over for a lot of Sundays last year, whether that's just watching from the spotter stand or um, being in the races, uh, my my weekday schedule is a lot different, whether if it's, you know, doing interviews or just, you know, not having as much time, you know, the travel schedule, I still leave it the same day, but I'm gone for more days and you have less time to process and less time to recover because you get back home on Monday really late and then you debrief and you think about it and then that's it. You're on to the next week, you know, so I don't have a lot of time to process, you know, what just happened. And it's, it's absolute information overload right now with this car and trying to figure out trends and, you know, what did I learn from the weekend? How can I apply it to the next week, whether if it's a similar style of racetrack or not. And those types of things have been really hard for me to kind of grasp my hands around, especially we're in the Daytona 500 and been busier than I ever have in my life, not complaining, but Holy cow, that was uh, really tough to figure out kind of my, place in the middle of the week you know how do i how do i be as productive as possible how do i not lose sight of my prep work and what's important and then you have all this smt data and all these different competitors and you add all that on top of it it's it's challenging to prioritize um but i i do think i've gotten a pretty good handle on it over the last month or so and um really starting to get kind of into a rhythm on the two car boy Austin, when you look at the next two months there is a lot of diversity of racetracks but if there's one theme it's road courses. So do you, you look at those as you did in the Xfinity series of a place where you might have an advantage or is it a whole different ball game in the cup series? I do think it's a whole different ball game, but uh, I look at Sonoma as a place where, you know, last time I ran there, I was, you know, 17 years old and it was on a completely different layout. And, you know, Sonoma has been on the cup schedule for quite a while. So I would say you could argue that I'm at a disadvantage, but you, you, you'd like to think that, um, you can go into every racetrack racing for Team Penske with a shot to win the race. And even if that's, we haven't even shown up there before. So um, that's the expectation I carry. Uh, I obviously try and hold that with, with some sort of reserve as far as, you know, my lack of experience, but um, that's the goal. That's the goal for everybody within the shop and uh, at, at the racetrack. So uh, I honestly haven't even looked past uh, knowing, knowing the gateways next. I know this has been a big month for mile and a half. And I think it's been very productive for, for us as a team. Um, but yeah, a lot of road courses in the summer and a lot of racetracks that I really like. So, um, good, good little summer stretch to get ready to try and, uh, make ourselves as good as possible and as prepared as possible to try and get the playoffs. All right. You mentioned it. Greatest day in racing, Indy 500 near and dear to your heart. I know you grow up in an IndyCar family and I know your dad's an IndyCar guy, but you're a NASCAR guy. So is there a little <laughs> part of you cheering for Jimmy Johnson up there at the Brickyard? Like, like uh -huh. you know, I know you're leaning Team Penske, and you definitely should cheer on Team Penske, but what is it like to be a NASCAR driver seeing one of the NASCAR, you know, heroes, seven-time champ going up there and, and dueling with the IndyCar guys? Yeah, it's, it's really cool to watch, you know, Jimmy's progression racing in IndyCar. Obviously, the road and street courses are, are, are a bit of an animal, and, and those guys are specialized in that craft, and, uh, but, but when you see what he's been able to do, what he was able to do at Texas early this year, obviously Ganassi looks to be really dominant this year. And uh, hopefully that doesn't play out in the race. Hopefully my team Penske boys get it done. I know the captain would love nothing more. I'd love nothing more. But if there's three guys, there's three guys I got that if they can't be team Penske drivers, it's Simon Pagino, 
Jimmy Johnson and Elio Castroneves that I would want to win the race. I'd be really happy to see win the race. And um, it's been it's been really cool to see the work Jimmy's put in. And um, you know, Elio's kind of my my well, he is my my childhood hero as far as race car drivers go. And um, it was really cool to be there to watch him win his fourth last year. And um, but uh, but yeah, should be should be a really fun day. I haven't really quite figured out how I'm going to watch all of it. You know, I was talking with Blaney and <laughs> I told you your you know, iPad. We, I told you the we, other day. Yeah, we always like we're usually like going to driver intros or doing something right at the end of the race. <laughs> no, 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 man, I got the cadence. I got the cadence. Green flag at the track. They'll have it on the big screen. You're gonna have to sneak a phone into in drivers or or any sort of sponsor meetings, and you should see checkered flag before intro. I got this cadence down pretty good. You should be good to go. Good. Trust me. It makes me feel better. Because I'm just gonna show up at the racetrack by by the time the race starts, and I'm just gonna be there the whole day. I'm not missing a lap. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, Bubble, best of luck this weekend, and best of luck trying to watch all the laps of the Indy 500. I know you'll figure it out. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, good luck, man. You know why I like young drivers? Why? Because a veteran driver would only cheer it on Team Penske, but our man Austin, he gave us some Hey, I gave you three others. I like when there's some honesty that comes out. (laughs) Yeah. When we come back, a special tribute to the racing side of Memorial Day weekend with the Hall of Famer, Ken Squire. That's next. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Memorial Day, a celebration like no other, tinged in the warmth of remembrance. They are remembered in not one, nor two, but three spectacular events featuring the brave and the bright. Start your engines. Let's go! It waves! The European version, the ultimate in sophisticated racing machinery leads off the day in Monaco, drivers vying for a world championship. At Monaco, one misstep on the brake pedal, one miscue can spell the difference between winner and vanquished. There are three sporting events, bullfighting, mountain climbing, and auto racing. The rest are all children's games, said Hemingway. This is another group, 33 strong, as dedicated, as desirous of perfection in the human endeavor. Their names are part of the sports history. Foyt, the Arizona cowboy, Jimmy Bryan, Bill Vukovic, the mad Russian out of Fresno, California, who in attempting to win the Indianapolis 500 three years in a row, lost his life, 1955. Sports heroes all. Radio broadcaster Sid Collins said, that Indy was the greatest spectacle in sports. It's hard to argue with that. Record speeds again this year. The second fastest qualifying run in the more than 100-year history of the Indianapolis 500. Scott Dixon, five-time Indianapolis all-winner. And finally, the 600-miler that ends this day here in Charlotte, North Carolina, where it came of age in North Carolina red clay after World War II and gave racing a different look. Some say more of a country look. Pearson. 
Petty, Yarborough, Earnhardt, and it reached out here in Charlotte, North Carolina, and began a new tradition. Every driver in the field this evening is honor-bound. From the beginning, this has always been a war against fear and reason, overcoming and simply grasping a checkered flag as a matter of personal history. For many years, they have all defied death, and in all cases, these heroes comprise this memorial weekend field. They face the odds not only to win, but in our world to survive. Each driver must attempt to carve out the perfect race, the perfect lap, and outdo all the others. Memorial Day, a celebration like no other. Does it get any better than Ken Squire, guys? Just no. incredible stuff. No. Love to hear him talking about it. I'm not sure why I waste my time trying to paint a picture of how great this day is when I could just listen <laughs> yeah. to him explain <laughs> right, it. Right, uh, right. Fellow New Englander. I mean, that's yeah, how that's I fell awesome. in love with racing, going to his racetrack, Thunder Road over in Vermont, and, and awesome. listening to him call the action down here in, in the Southern Series. It was It's amazing. Yeah, just, yeah, just his voice is yeah. enough, but his knowledge is just incredible about all forms of motorsports, and he's just passionate about it. You, yeah. You can feel that in every word that he says. Kenley, we're thinking about you. Enjoy watching yeah. all the races on Sunday from your couch. All right, let's break down the Indy 500 a little bit. Boy, Steve mentioned it, DJ. Hard to handicap. I mean, this field is stacked. So what's impressed you from practice? Oh, I think the biggest thing is uh, Chip Ganassi racing. Mm. Uh, just every car. I mean, you know, you, you put a rookie, even though he's a seven-time NASCAR champion, in, in a car that, that runs so well and so fast and handles all that, that, that shows you the, the potential of what they have. But I've also noticed then in practice as they get race ready, just how drastically things change, and then other drivers come into the mix. Mm. And, I, I mean, the guy, Scott Dixon, he shows up every single time there's a big event. He can go fast, and he's smart enough to know how to get to the end of this and give himself a chance. Steve, it's going to be a lot of talk about fuel mileage versus running up front this weekend. So uh, what do you think about that mix? Because that's going to be a topic, probably the topic during the race. Your face or likeness only gets put on the Borg Warner for leading the last lap of the Indianapolis 500. Don't let your ego confuse yourself for the other 199. That's my strategy. Fuel mileage. It's not exciting for some. It's not the lead storyline. People don't want to talk about it. But that pit stand must run the race, not the driver. The driver drives. It has to come from the pit stand. You have to save fuel. You have to stay near the front, but you cannot get behind. It doesn't matter how fast you are. If you could take an extra trip down pit road or put more fuel in on the last stop, day over. Mm. You and I spent the weekend on the Peacock pit box. You have an under-the-radar pick. We're going to get our favorites here okay. in just a second. So I have two under-the-radars. Under the yeah. I got an under-the-radar name and great equipment, Marcus Erickson. Not many people talk about the sneaky Swede, mm -hmm. but I believe he easily could be an Indy 500 champ. And then another gentleman who joined us all the time, hasn't shown politely any speeds by himself in single car, <laughs> but put him in a pack. He had a chance last year until the wheel fell off. Graham Rahal. Wow, I believe I like he, that he bit, has actually. he has a lot of savvy. If you get up there and it gets dicey, you talk about fuel mileage, he can manage the day. We asked you guys on Twitter for your pick. So you guys, tons of votes. Credit to our producer, Aaron Feldstein. He counted every one of them. Wow. Uh, Max Verstappen was your pick for Monaco. Scott Dixon, by far, your pick. I shouldn't say by far. Scott Dixon, your pick. Jimmy Johnson was close, second for the Indy 500. Martin Truex Jr., our buddy Ken Squire. We asked him for his pick for the Coke 600. 
He picked Martin Truex Jr. So I want to hear your picks, DJ. Your Hall of Famers get the tee box first. Okay. Give us your weekend picks. All right. Well, I'm going to go with the majority there, and I'm going to take Max uh, for yeah. uh, to, to win the Formula One race. I'm going with Takuma Sato. Uh, he Love always oh, finds yeah. himself in the mix there, and I'm going with Kyle in the, the 600. <laughs> There's a couple uh, Kyle. Oh, Bush. I will. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. good. All I, right, it all was right. hard. I mean, yeah. he got Verstappen. Uh, so I agree with everyone's Polo. I think he has some quiet hands. He can do like it. And then it. Kyle Larson. I'll take the other Kyle. I uh, took Leclerc agreeing with Diffie. Polo is my pick. We didn't copy each other's paper. And also Kyle Bush. No show on Monday. We'll see you back here on Wednesday to recap all that happened. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.